Good morning, beautiful people of the Center for Spiritual Living. Hello. Hi. We're, I know we're lulled into a state of meditation. I know. Well, it's a good thing. You know, there's a lot going on in our world that brings us to that sober place. Um, I'm thinking about the Hurricane Ian and all the places being affected by weather. I'm thinking about war in Ukraine and um, the women's rights demonstrations in Iran and across the world. Oh, and the water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi. And then there's also power um, crises, energy crises in Puerto Rico, also affected by weather, and Haiti, too. There's a lot going on. I think of the author and poet and psychoanalyst, uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She wrote these words. In any dark time, there is a tendency to veer towards fainting over how much is wrong or unmended in the world. Do not focus on that. You know, I keep that quote close to my heart when I I feel overwhelmed by the world. I keep it close to me as a reminder to be mindful of what am I focusing on and to turn and veer, as she says, intentionally to things that can be helpful, like generosity and loving kindness, not to pretend that there's nothing going on in the world, that there's nothing to do, not to deny the pain and suffering or loss in the world. It's just the opposite. It's to be able to face it without fainting and being overwhelmed by it. So this refocus towards generosity and loving kindness is very helpful because these attitudes of mind, generosity and loving kindness, release our abundant and natural ability to care for each other, to love each other, to help each other, and to rebuild the world. I don't do well when I'm overwhelmed by everything that has to be done. So at times like these, it's important for me to not shut down and do nothing. It's important for me to make sure I care and I share and I love and I connect. And it's important for me not to underestimate the power of loving kindness and generosity at times like this. The rest of that quote from Clarissa goes like this. Any small thing, any small calm thing that one soul can do to help another soul, to assist some portion of this suffering world, will help immensely. It is not given to us to know which acts or by whom will cause the critical mass to tip towards an enduring good. Oh, I resonate with that. And it encourages me to keep on doing my part. Do any small, calm thing. Do it. And 
trust that it is helpful, that it may even be the thing that tips the balance to an enduring good that causes a critical mass to shift. So it's a reminder to me to turn and to refocus my mind on that everywhere present nature of the creative energy of life and to draw upon it so that I can do my part to share and care and connect and love and support and to remember that I may not know what little thing I do, what its impact on the world is. Our topic today is swimming in the infinite ocean. And here the infinite ocean is a phrase used to describe that everywhere present creative energy of life I just mentioned that you and I are made of and that we can draw upon so that we can be part of our world's solutions. And the spiritual practices that Reverend Russ mentioned that we read together this morning, those are about unpacking and dissolving any blocks that stand between us and that creative energy of life. And it turns out that some of those blocks are in our own awareness. We call that in our teaching consciousness. I'll give you some examples. For example, if I have a consciousness of hurriedness, or impatience. That mindset can make it difficult for me to experience the abundance of love and intimacy that is available in personal interactions. I'm too busy. When I'm rushing, I may miss the small details that make ordinary things extraordinary, exquisitely so. When I don't have time, I may miss the nuances in a conversation or in a movie or wherever that could lead to an insight that I haven't had before that might be part of the solution. When I'm impatient, I'm not as abundant as I might be. I'm not swimming in the infinite ocean of possibilities. I'm rushing through it. Or if I have, for example, an, a consciousness of comparison, that mindset could make it difficult for me to value and appreciate what I have and who I really am. You know, the consciousness of comparison in its worst form may keep me always needing more. Because when I compare myself to others and what they have, sometimes I focus then on what I don't have, and then I'm not as abundant as I might be because I'm swimming in an ocean of less than. Or another example, if I have a consciousness of waste. That's a mindset that can make it difficult difficult for me to really understand the role I play among the community of beings, how I interact, and how my actions impact, how my use of resources contributes to the way the world actually is. 
I may even see things and places and peoples just as expendable. I may not care about the environment. And when I'm wasteful, I'm not tuned into abundance as I might be. I'm not swimming in an ocean of infinite connections and oneness. I'm swimming in the ocean of me. Hmm. Another way of saying all of this is that some of the problems that we face in society, not all of them, but some of them, many of them, have to do with how we show up in the world, how we see the world, and how we interpret our place in the world and our perspective. And then through spiritual practices, prayer, meditation, selfless service, spiritual study, and circulation, we can make adjustments in our awareness, the adjustments that are necessary to help us, as she says, veer, I love that word, turn away from fainting, away from selfishness, away from waste, and towards courage and connection and compassion and sharing and loving kindness. Now, Each one of us has our own challenge when it comes to experience that state of being in the flow of life's abundant creative energy and possibilities. We've each got our own tailor-made set of challenges feeling that. And here are some typical blocks that you may or may not experience. Some people are givers but they haven't learned how to ask for what they want. And that's where they're blocked. And even if something is offered to them, they have difficulty receiving it. Other people can't give easily at all. They may be focused on how to get for whatever reason. They may have some good reasons. have a problem, a challenge with receiving Some people do know how to receive, but the way they receive feels more like taking. Some people can ask for what they need, but the way they ask makes it difficult for other people to give to them. And some people have learned all the strategies of circulation, giving regularly, asking beautifully, receiving graciously, but still, they feel stuck. They don't feel like they're in an ocean of infinite possibility. They are, well, anchored to something, tethered to something that keeps them back. And oftentimes, that something can be resentment. Now, if any of these sound like they are close to an area of your stuckness, if you have any, then I invite you to our Wednesday evening service in person. We're bringing it back in person, starting this Wednesday, right here. Reverend Russ is going to do the music meditation, and I'm going to talk about these attitudes of mind giving, receiving, asking, and forgiveness, and what part they play in our experience of being in the flow of life's creative energy and possibilities, because we want that flow to be flowing so that we can step up and help the world. That's Wednesday. Today, 
I want to talk about yet another potential block and how to unblock it. Sometimes in life, we may feel blocked from our abundance because we may be using money and possessions to place a value on our self-worth. Now, there's nothing wrong with possessions and wealth. It's, it's just not the kind of abundance we're talking about when we talk about the ocean of infinite possibility. Today, what we are talking about is the abundance of things that are in our heart and soul, in yours and in mine, that we are born with, those things that make us essentially who we are. And I like to call them our superpowers, and they are, you've heard them already, loving kindness and generosity. And these are the two attitudes of mind that when invoked, open the door to the experience of abundant living. They unblock stuckness. However, we live in a society that oftentimes measures a person's value and worth by what they possess, by their wealth. You know, we've been challenged for the past two and a half years by a, a pandemic. And as a result, and you've heard me mention this, we've had a deficit in revenue. And last month was the first month that we ended in the black do you know how easy it is to connect a deficit in revenue with failure and loss of self-worth? That quick. After all, the net worth of an individual or an organization is based on their dollars and cents, says society. So I'm in that. And I'm turning, veering, I'm turning my consciousness in a different direction to, to make a dent again and again and again in that myth that you and I are worth what we have, what we possess, what we have accumulated, that somehow that is the proof of our value. I'm turning to the self within which is the place where I intersect with the universe and with you, that we share in common the place from which my and your self-worth actually comes. I'm turning to it to renew my confidence in its ability to express itself as generosity and loving kindness, and I'm turning to it so that I can trust that, those superpowers to build strong connections and to produce solutions, and to provide for us a pathway forward. Deborah Price is a wealth coach, and she coaches individuals and organizations about their money, and she wrote this. By basing our lives on the pursuits of money and material gain, we often neglect the self. And its inherent longing for spiritual connection. We have become ensnared in the net, caught by the money trap. 
I believe we will not escape until we value our spiritual being above money and material gain. We need to create a new paradigm for living, one that breaks the patterns of the past. Oh, wow. Breaking the patterns of the past. It's a lifelong journey. So, this is how it applies for me. When I catch myself, and I do this, I catch myself measuring my self-worth by money or the lack of it. I notice that in those times, I may be devaluing myself because I'm, I'm using what I have as a measure of what I am. And then I, I know that in those moments, it's time for me to actively turn to those two superpowers, generosity and loving kindness, and invoke them and use them and put them into action. And then I can begin to measure myself in another way, a new paradigm, through the way I help others, through what value I bring to other people's lives, one at a time. And you know, anybody can do this. It's like doing a re-inventory. Try it. Do an accounting of your, call them living assets, if you don't like the word superpowers. Do an inventory of the things that make you feel good about who you are rather than what you have. And if you're thinking, the list is rather small. <laughs> Here's the good news. You and I can start to add to our living assets today, right away. You and I can begin to do beautiful things for other people to rebuild the heart of the world. Do you remember the movement Random Acts of Kindness? They used to have a bulletin board where people could post their stories. And this is Jackie's story, and I copied and saved it because I was so moved by it. One day, Jackie writes, I was in the grocery store waiting for my turn in line. This older lady who had two gallons of milk and a rose said she had lost her money and could not afford her purchases. I sat for a moment um, thinking that this was a good opportunity to give to someone else. So I asked someone to go get her and bring her back to the line and I purchased the items for her. No one really knew who I was, which kind of made this even more special for me. And I said to her, I hope that rose is for yourself, she said, smiling. No, uh, it, one of our hospital junior volunteers made volunteer of the year, and this is for her. I was happy to bring a smile to this woman's face and to the people behind me. It felt good knowing I helped even in a small way. My son, who was with me, asked me why I did it. And I said... Because it's good to set an example for others. My smi son smiled and hugged me and said, I love you, Mom. I want to be kind like you too. And that, Jackie says, was one of the most special days of my life. I keep Jackie's story close to my heart also because it reminds me that when I am stuck, or worried financially, there is something I know to do. I look for ways to open my heart to the abundant expression of generosity that is naturally there, that wants to come out and do something, even if it's small. 
To get my mind back into the flow of the infinite ocean of life, sometimes what I do when I'm out eating, um, I pay anonymously for somebody else's dinner. And I love doing that. I prey on unsuspecting families <laughs> and pay their bill. And the, w this example is from, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. There was one particular family eating and they, were, they had like four kids with them. I don't know if they were all their kids, but the two young parents were just so busy. <laughs> well, you know what it's like. And so I, I paid for their bill without them knowing. And I watched when the waiter came over and said their bill was paid for by an anonymous person, and I'll never forget the look on their faces as they looked around the restaurant <laughs> wondering what had happened. Last week, because I'm in it, you know, I did it again. I was in a restaurant, but this time I forgot to ask the white staff not to identify me. And so it wasn't anonymous, and I, I paid for the dinner for somebody I know from our center, and they texted me afterwards and said, you know, we're sitting here with tears streaming down our faces because we both realized that no one has ever done that for us in our whole lives. And reading that text, I felt my whole being begin to open and release the blocks and to expand into an infinite ocean of possibilities and abundance. Another post on the... Um, Random Acts of Kindness Bulletin. And this is Whitney's story. My teacher was waiting in line to pay his admission fee for his family when he noticed the family in front of him. He could tell they didn't have much money. He could see the joy in the kids' faces. Possibly it meant that they didn't go to these kind of places very often. When the family got to the ticket booth, the man, presumably the father, ended up being short about $30 for the entrance fee. Somehow, he thought it was cheaper than it actually was. Seeing the disappointment in the mother's and the father's faces, my teacher drew two twenties and threw them on the floor behind the man and tapped his shoulder and said, excuse me, sir, but I think you dropped some money. <laughs> the man looked at him and just smiled and picked up the money and said, Thank you. I have never looked up to a man more than I have to him, my teacher. I never see him anymore, and he probably would never remember me if he saw me, but I will always remember the feeling I had when I saw him do that. It's important for me to keep in mind that there are many ways to express generosity and loving kindness. There are physical acts. There are spiritual acts. For example, when I take the time to do what the opening quote Estes suggested, to create an attitude of calm, one that allows me to remember my connectedness to all life, and from that state, love rises up. That's when love instructs me how to be, what to do, how to act, how to speak. And that, too, is a gift of kindness to the world. And not only that, I truly believe that thinking kindly about others 
and about the world. It may not be a substitute for action, but thinking kindly about others has a beautiful, beneficial power and effect all of its own. And I can think of no better way to say it than in the words of Hugh Prather. Who really knows the effect of one happy thought? Is it possible that it circles the globe, finding entry into any open heart, encouraging and giving hope in some unseen way? I am convinced that it does. For whenever I am truly loving, I feel the warmth and presence of the like-minded, a growing family whose strength lies in their gentleness and whose message is in their treatment of others. I believe it is good and right to be happy, and I know from experience that it is the only way I can personally be kind. So in this way, the pursuit of happiness or joy is in service to kindness, and kindness opens our heart to express generously to the world.